coming to you live from the seven and a half floor. It's the Ten Point Podcast. My name is Bruce, and I've been very lonely in my isolated tower of indecipherable speech. But here we are after a break with a new episode of the podcast. Joining me inside the head of our next vessel. First, he has to piss sitting down like a goddamn girly girl. It's Chris. Malkovich Malkovich. <laughs> and secondly, I'm not bagging him if that's what you're thinking. It's Andy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's going to uh, later. Dr. Lester, he was a fountain of quotes, was Dr. Oh, Lester. Yes. We are the Ten Point Podcasts. We do movie review podcasts and other bits and pieces to do with films. Generally, we do news and we do our episodic podcasts, which we don't really have a title for what it actually is, but they're all numbered and we do them 20 a season. You can find us on YouTube, usually on Spotify, or last week's episode went missing, or last time's episode went missing. It's on, it's on everywhere else, just not it's Spotify, on else. The Spotify. But YouTube, uh, all your uh, podcast apps, and 10pointpodcast.com is your central podcast, 10 podcast hub. All of the podcast stuff is there. Hit us up on our social media, Facebook, Twitter, 10 Point Podcast over there. We want to hear from you. We want to hear some reviews, some uh, reviews of the podcast or reviews of the films that we have reviewed on the podcast and suggestions and complaints about what we do and all that sort of stuff. Send us a message if you feel that way inclined. On to the reason for the podcast. It's a nice swift start to the proceedings. Point number one on the 10 Point Podcast. What is the point? The point this week, the 1999 fantasy comedy drama being John Malkovich. Brought to us by Gramercy Pictures, Propaganda Films and Single Cell Pictures. We have not covered any of these ones before, but this is a selection of films that these uh, companies have all made. Days and Confused, Double Dragon, which jumped out at me. I, thought, I bet Andy's seen Double Dragon when I saw that uh-huh. listed. Mole Rats, but Mole Rats only. No other Kevin Smith film, just Mole Rats. Mystery Science Theatre 3000, the movie, which is a belter. Big Lebowski, London Has Fallen, Candyman, Barbed Wire, The Game, and Adaptation. And I was like, there's a selection of just completely random films that these companies all made. Uh, but being John Malkovich uh, is kind of one of the, I don't know, one of the more successful ones, let's say. A couple of us in there are successful. Being John Malkovich, written by Charlie Kaufman. Or Charlie Kaufman, I think that's maybe how you say it. This was his, his big feature sort of success that launched his career. He is a successful writer of films, but not necessarily massive money-making films. So after being John Malkovich, he wrote Adaptation, which was mentioned. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, that pretty much made his name, which is a very successful Jim Jim Carrey film. Yeah. A film called Sindosh, or Sindoch, New York, which I'd never heard of, but apparently it's what he's famous for writing. And recently, Anomalisa and I'm Thinking of Ending Things, and the last one came out on Netflix last year or the year before, I'm thinking of anything. So he's a big kind of super writer of these sort of weird sort of indie sort of mental films about psychology and all that. The film, directed by Spike Jones, who is a very famous sort of name, made his name directing music videos for such artists as the Beastie Boys, Weezer, R.E.M., who helped produce this film that we're doing this week, Bjork, Daft Punk, The Chemical Brothers, famously Fatboy Slim, which he was in the Praise You music video. He is the guy leading the dance troupe outside of the cinema in the Praise You video. Uh, and then Tenacious D, he directed Wonder Boy, the music video <laughs> for that song. Uh, but then he made his way into movies, this being his big kind of movie breakout being directing being John Malkovich. He then directed Adaptation as well. It comes up in every category so far. And since then, Where the Wild Things Are and then Her, the Joaquin Phoenix film from quite a few years ago. They're his big successes as a director. 
But I think the three of us probably know him best as being in maybe one out of every 25 jackass stunts that they do, Spike Jones. Uh, so he is. <laughs> he shows up all the time in Jackass. BJ Malkovich stars as Craig Schwartz or Greg Juarez, if you ask the secretary woman. But yeah, Craig Schwartz. John Cusack. Never seen him before on the podcast. Famous for Say Anything, Gross Point Blank and Con Air with John Malkovich. Before being in being John Malkovich. Since then, High Fidelity and then two number-based movies, 1408 and 2012. He was in both of those. And then Hot Tub Time Machine. And then nothing especially successful after Hot Tub Time Machine. He was he was barely in the sequel as well. He was one of these ones that'll be in the first one, but not really come back for another one. He's our main star, co-starring as Lottie, Cameron Diaz, who we've never done on the podcast as well. Made her break out, The Mask, launched into superstardom with her role in The Mask. She then hit a few home runs in the late 90s with My Best Friend's Wedding, A Life Less Ordinary, a favourite of mine. Uh, and then there's something about Mary, all before being in being in being John Malkovich, uh, which was her first real, I am like the most beautiful person in the world, so I'm going to go and not be so beautiful in a film. This was her first kind of change of direction. And since then, she was in Any Given Sunday, Charlie's Angels movies, the Shrek movies, Vanilla Sky, and then Gangs of New York, and it hasn't been in a film since 2014 was the last time Cameron Diaz was in a film. So I think she's happily retired now. I don't know if she's got a celebrity husband or whatnot, but uh, she uh, she's retired. Or probably. she's stuck in Dubai. There we go. Maybe that. Uh, so that's Cameron Diaz. <laughs> Maybe that's where she is. I don't know. Uh, the third star, I'll just pop in here, Catherine Keener as Maxine. Uh, she's famous for being in being John Malkovich, 40-year-old virgin, Capote, Captain Phillips, and then most recently Get Out, uh, where she played the mum in Get Out, oh, yeah. uh, which has kind of given her a bit of, I don't know, not a second breath, second wind of her career necessarily, but she's probably one of her, her most famous roles now. And then finally, as John Malkovich, we have John Malkovich. And he's one of these people, John Malkovich, this film, I think, made him more famous than he was at that stage. Because really, up until being John Malkovich, in terms of popular culture, he was in maybe one or two things. But this film made him famous. So Malkovich, famous for The Killing Fields, Empire of the Sun, Dangerous Liaisons, Of Mice and Men, In the Line of Fire, Con Air. That's the one, I think. Con Air. The Man in the Iron Mask. That was all before this film. Since then, Johnny English, Born After Reading, Red, which the all capitals are E D Red, Secretariat, and then Bird Box. I forgot he was in. He was one of the main people in Bird Box, the Sandra Bullock Don't Look uh, Netflix movie. Uh, but yeah, pretty much this film took his big movies being dramas into his big movies kind of being a bit more comedy-ish after this film. So they are our main four stars, and near enough the only four people who are in the film. It's it's very much limited to them and my main man, Doctor Lester himself. Being John Malkovich, on a budget of $13 million, opened in the US to $600,000. Final US grows $23 million. Worldwide, I do not have the numbers. I know in Germany it made a couple hundred thousand, so it did It did make uh, over $10 million, uh, its budget. Um, but I can't find the actual numbers, but it was a success. Released 3rd of December 1999 in the US, 17th of March 2000 in the UK. meant it was prime prime for primed for the 2000 award season so the so-called major award ceremonies gave it a couple of nominations here and there 2000 oscars gave it three nominations i did not realize this was a triple oscar nominated movie nominated for best director spike jones lost to sam mendes for american beauty 
Best Supporting Actress Catherine Keener got an Oscar nomination for her performance, lost to Angelina Jolie for Girl Interrupted, and it was nominated for Best Original Screenplay at the Oscars and lost also to American Beauty. A couple other awards season ceremonies, BAFTAs, three nominations, editing, lost to American Beauty, Best Supporting Actress Cameron Diaz this time, lost to Maggie Smith in a film called Tea with Mussolini, which I, I'm, I'm not too aware of, and nominated the BAFTAs for Best Original Screenplay, where it won Best Original Screenplay. Golden Globes, four nominations, both supporting actress nominees, Keener and Diaz, lost to Angelina Jolie again for Girl Interrupted. Best Screenplay, lost to American Beauty again. And then Best Comedy or Musical at the Golden Globes, it lost to Toy Story 2. Yeah. I think this and Toy Story yeah. 2 were in the same category or something. They did. Uh, MTV Movie Awards gave it one nomination. I say nomination. Best New Filmmaker, Spice Jones, Spike Jones, won. But he seems to have been the only nominee, so they just gave him an award. There you go, Spike. <laughs> you've got a whole bunch of music videos for us, so you've well done on your new films. He got It's an MTV Movie Award winning movie. But the only award ceremony we really care about, the year 2000 Saturn Awards. Three nominations. I thought this film might miss out. Didn't strike me as a Saturn Award winner. Best Actress nominated, Catherine Keener. Again, there seems to be a lot of shuffling around of where Cameron Diaz and Catherine Keener fit in in this film. Best Actress... Uh, she lost, and I forgot to write down who she lost to, so I'll investigate that in a second. Uh, best writer, not writing or screenplay, but best writer uh, for Charlie Kaufman, he won at the Saturn Awards. And best fantasy film, it also won at the Saturn Awards. So this was the best fantasy film of the year 2000, which seems a bit weird. It's not the most fantastical fantasy you'll ever see. It's, it's clearly not true, but uh, yeah, a, a very strange winner. I was trying to buy myself a chance to find out who won that award, but I can't do it quickly enough because I need to go through the synopsis for being John Malkovich, prevented by Hugo here, Ooh, not, yeah. not one of From Rio de Janeiro. I'll be drinking water here. Hugo, not necessarily from Rio de Janeiro. He's given, us, yeah, yeah, He's given us the entire film here, so stick with me. Puppeteer Craig Schwartz, an animal lover and pet store clerk, Lottie Schwartz, are just going through the motions of their marriage. Despite not being able to earn a living solely through puppeteering, Craig loves his profession as it allows him to inhabit the skin of others. He begins to take the ability to inhabit the skin of others to the next level when he is forced to take a job as a file clerk for the off-kilter Lester Corp, located on the five-foot-tall, seven-and-a-half floor of, the Manhattan of, of, of a Manhattan office building. Behind one of the filing cabinets in his work area, Craig finds a hidden door, which he learns is a portal into the mind of John Malkovich. The visit through the portal, which lasts 15 minutes, after which the person is spit into a ditch next to the New Jersey Turnpike. Craig is fascinated by the meaning of life associated with this finding. Lottie's trips through the portal make her evaluate her own self. And the confident Maxine Lund, one of Craig's co-workers, who he tells about the portal, if only because he is attracted to her, thinks that it is a money-making opportunity in selling trips into Malkovich's mind after office hours for $200 a visit. Really into the details here. <laughs> Craig, Lottie and Maxine begin to understand that anyone entering the portal has the ability to control Malkovich's mind, which also alters his entire being. This experience makes Maxine fall in love with a composite. This ability to control Malkovich's mind begs the question of the ultimate psychedelic trip for Malkovich himself, who begins to feel that something is not right in the world as he knows it. There you are. It's a, a good, deep reading of what the film is about there. Well, who picked... We don't have to do anything else in the podcast now. That, that's, that's what happens, yeah. Who picked it? I picked the film. Had I seen it before? Yes, I've seen this film before. One, because I went to see it in the cinema 
And when I say cinema, I mean, uh, see, see if you guys even know what I'm talking about here. I saw this in the Robert Burns Centre cinema in Dumfries. Aye, classic. Like, and I, I think it's like a 20-seater cinema. This is a tiny Aye. little thing. I, I saw, think it's the only one left in Dumfries still. Is, it, is that right? Okay. Uh, so I saw. I think it's the only film I ever saw there, I think. Uh, I've no idea why, but I went and saw it there. And I also owned it on VHS, which I've no idea where that is now, but I had the VHS. So I've seen this a few times, probably not dozens, but a few times. Uh, had you guys both seen it before? Yeah, I've seen it. But I, I can't remember much of it, to be honest. <laughs> right, okay. Been a while then, had it? Yeah. I picked this kind of on the hope that one of you or both of you hadn't seen it, so we could have a bit more of a kind of what a wasted pick you did. What the hell's going on? Um, there were other reasons I can't remember why. I'm just very scattershot this season picking it. Which channel would normally find it on? You would solely find this on Film Four. No other yeah. channel would put this on. It's an absolute Film Four. And uh, which version did we watch? We all watched the same one because it only has one version. I watched it on Peacock through Sky, kind of online, kind of. On demand, they have Peacock on there, and so I think it's the first film I've watched on the Peacock uh, through there. Because again, no one would ever show this. On to point two, then high points. What's not the best bits and things were about the movie? I've done a lot of talking, so I'm going to throw over to Chris to kick us off on high points. Uh, I'm going to say the actual puppet shows. I thought they were quite good. Like, yeah. It blows my mind how people can like not only control one puppet at one time, but they can do two at once. And yeah, it blows my mind they can do that. Well, yeah. see, there's only there's only ever been two times in my life where I've been impressed by puppetry, and that was one Team America, yeah, you say that, and two the special 100th episode of Stargate SG One. Right, okay, I wasn't sure you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, the puppetry in this as well. Like, I kept looking and be like, is it actually a puppet, or have they somehow like CGI'd something? Because like the movement was so fluid and natural, especially at the beginning. Some yeah. of the stuff he was. Like it's like really, really good stuff. I just don't trust people with puppets, and I was right not to trust them right from the Yeah, the, the, I've got as a high point the lewd puppet shows. He's, like, he's got to have a better idea of where he is and what he should be yeah. performing his puppets with when he has whatever that was meant to be, his puppet show with the uh, <laughs> the two in separate rooms. Um, I'll, I'll say that. I put that as, like, not really that specifically as a low point, but street performers. Like, I don't mind them doing stuff, but they always have to go too far. It's always got to be religious, and they, he was well deserving of getting punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> if, like, if there's a kid watching, you might just stop doing that kind of thing. Yeah, because his defense would be that that's what the show is, and I was really into it. But yeah, you've got to be, I don't know, spatial awareness of, like, yeah. a public awareness of what you're doing. And like, why are you doing a puppet show on the street that has that sort of stuff in it anyway if you're not already a bit weird and looking for attention and all this sort of stuff? So it's like, just make it Punch and Judy if you're looking for <laughs> kids to enjoy it. Uh, yeah, that was my early high point. My second high point is the seven and a half floor. Yeah. Basically everything that happens when he first finds the first seven and a half, like getting there in the first place is quite funny. But then the the deaf secretary, I'm assuming it's just deaf or just absolutely ignorant. Uh, I couldn't remember, but I had no recollection of this character at all in this film, but I very much enjoyed her. And oh, then, I thought you got to You like you were nodding so I was letting you speak. And then <laughs> The whole scene where she doesn't understand a word he's saying and he's trying yeah. to apologise and, and clear it up. And then to go on to the straight after Dr. Lester and him yeah. be like, oh, my terrible speech impediment. <laughs> <laughs> that whole like running gag of his speech impediment was funny. Like, even later on when they're having dinner, he says, are you understand the word I'm saying here? Do you understand the fact? Oh, blast this cursed speech impediment. But the fact that he's saying words like speech impediment and 
speech impedimentology thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, he must... Everybody else must... Like, it's only the one person. But, of course, it turns out she's the most important person to him in history. Like, he... he when he finally migrates his mind into John Malkovich, uh, he ends up marrying her. Uh, I'll come to that later on. Some more issues yeah, with that. I don't that. that at all in past watchings. Yeah, there's bits and pieces that I'm like, I've totally forgotten. But yeah, the the secretary, Floris, is that her name? Floris? Right, yeah. Unbelievable. And then she shows up later on as well and does this. No, the, the weird bit where he's like flicking through all the files and all that as well. Like, I don't, do not remember this woman at That's all. It, like, the gross hardness of this film was so like, funny. Like, yeah, it's Dr. very. Lester, he's talking about um, Flores at one point. And it just goes into far too much detail. Yeah, it's very much about sexuality at moments, this film. Like, a lot of it is about sexuality. But the final bit of my seventh and a half low high point is the orientation. That was my first high point. That video was amazing. The video's amazing, but also, like, it's literally just about why the floor, why it's low ceilings. It's not about what you have to do when you're working there. Like, the orientation video is just literally, it's a low ceiling because, not try and do this, here's where that is, this is what the job is, it's literally this weird like, I don't know what you call it, midget, dwarf woman, whatever, small person, <laughs> woman, wanting a low ceiling. Um, but also, is it supposed to, like, obviously, uh, Maxine says it's bullshit, but is it? Because he, we find out that Dr. Lester is the guy who built the building, so that might actually be what the true story is. Because we, we it doesn't know. make sense with the whole low overheads, I know it's like the gag, <laughs> but like getting like small doors they're not regulation doors you're gonna have a fire safety nightmare and it's gonna cost you more operational wise a year i reckon having a half size floor and it must be they must have to pay for a chiropractor as well because everybody's hunched over i very much i like the two presenters of the documentary (laughs) with their banter with them with their coffee mugs being hunched over the whole time as well (laughs) they were really funny but that was my next high point any more my next high point is john malkovich I've got the first trip inside Malkovich's yeah. head uh, first. That's got to be my first experience of uh, ASMR. <laughs> yeah, with him like eating the toast. Like, yeah. into, like, again, I was watching with the headphones on, like I always do. It's like feeling like you're in there. But I, I ver- the first trip inside him is quite funny. Obviously, I think anybody who watches the film knows that's coming, because obviously the name of the film is that. But when, when <laughs> Schwartz goes running back to the office to tell Maxine about it, and he's like, oh, it's amazing, it's this, it's that, it's the other. It's like, I don't know, how can we go on, how can I go on living knowing this information? And Maxine just points to the window. <laughs> I absolutely love her character. Like the first half hour, Maxine, she's absolutely the kind of person I would want to find if I started a new job. This person who just hates life and everybody, but is willing to speak to you and tell you all this stuff, how bad everything is. And just like, I just really enjoy her as the film goes on, I get less and less interested because yeah. she seems to, her character kind of changes. But yeah, her at the beginning. But uh, yeah, it's funny, funny how like later of um, trips inside his head that like, everybody's getting so excited about mundane things like ordering towels yeah. or having a shower. <laughs> it's like things you do at home, but they're just enjoying it more because they're inside his head. One of the questions I always have is that so there's a massive queue of people going inside his head. As he arrives at the place, so there's gonna be somebody who's cute. The exactly, seeing like what the fuck? Yeah, to get inside John Malkovich's head to then basically go back to the end of. Oh, I go to the end of the queue. I'm assuming the queue again. 
Oh, have I frozen in the middle of a sentence again? There you go. Yeah, sorry, Chris, finished your sentence off. (laughs) I saw him finishing my sentence. So, yeah, basically, join the end of the queue again. And that's his 15 minutes uh, for $200. Um, One joke I liked in there was the the, first customer. And they're like, tell me more about how I be someone else. It's like, well, you can you can be John Malkovich. And he's like, ah, oh, here's my second choice, but it'll do. <laughs> That's brilliant. Of all the people in the world, it was the person who second most wanted to be. Uh, but yeah, for me now, I'm getting on to Malkovich himself. Yeah. As when well. he goes into yeah. himself is one of the best head deepfake scenes I've ever seen in a film. Which Malkovich. Yeah. Malkovich, Malkovich. It's like the little kids as well. Like I've never like paid that much attention to what I was watching now, but you see like little kids with like the bald head and things. <laughs> yeah. The uh, I read the the writer, the writer director and all that putting the film together. They they wanted it to be John Malkovich for reasons and all sorts of stuff. But I, one of the key reasons was how fun it is to say his name, which is they wanted that in the film. Just have people always talking about John Malkovich. Oh, he could be John Malkovich, and then that scene as well. It's a fun name to say in all different contexts. That it was going to come up in the film. I've skipped over one high point I I liked, which was the first time that Craig makes Malkovich talk, where it's, it's all of a sudden John Malkovich acting of someone's being like, "Oh, he said what I said," and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's amazing. Uh, that's kind of like my first when um, he takes um, Lottie hostage. And he's like hiding underneath the table for ages, and then he comes up and jumps over the couch and just slips in his ass from fucking. Yeah, into a complete failure. Yeah, he just kind of walked into the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, making John Malkovich speak and all that, and then Malkovich's freak out with Charlie Sheen afterwards, <laughs> with him drawing all the curtains and all that. She could be a fucking witch or something. <laughs> just shutting all the curtains. And it, uh, I, don't, I don't know what ever he's like that in real life, but he's just like, were you high? Of course I was fucking high. Uh, I've only got a couple more high points I've got the the eight months later which is um, Craig has been living eight months inside Malkovich at this point I've got one before that I've got Elijah's flashback oh yeah I mean it feels like like, it's also like super random like I don't normally see films go inside a monkey's head (laughs) but I did like to put subtitles on yeah (laughs) it might be that other films don't do it I like that the monkey was also called Elijah in like <laughs> the chimp, the chimp in chimp language. Yeah. They called him monkey the whole way through. But yeah, even the, the his parents were like Elijah. Um, I did like as well because of course at the beginning of the film you're rolling your eyes with uh, Lottie talking about how he's depressed and he's got bad memories and all that, and you find out he genuinely has. <laughs> he tried to save his mom's dad from being captured and got captured himself. <laughs> That's why he has all these issues. It's because of this mental trauma. Yeah, I enjoyed the eight months later where he's basically, he's turned into uh, John Cusack. He's got long hair, he's kind of unshaven and all that. Watching the documentary about himself, and then finally the film's coming together. Uh, I enjoyed that trip. And then my final high point is the very end of the film, which it's something I'd maybe missed before, which I hadn't I actually, I hadn't quite got that. So I, I, I've been working it out. So when when Craig leaves Malkovich to save Maxine, and he immediately finds Maxine, and she takes off his lottie right in front of him, he shouts, "I'm going to go back into his head and force him out. I will get you back because I love you," sort of thing. So the next time we see Craig. It's the very end of the film because he's tried to go back into Malkovich, but it's too late, as we learned from the the drawing that Dr. Lester had, which is if you miss your window, you end up trapped in the next vessel. And the next vessel is Malkovich. Oh, that makes more sense. So the very end of the film is Schwartz stuck in the little girl for however long it takes 
like forever, I guess, in there. And that's her being him being forced to watch basically his two wives living happily ever after <laughs> with John Malkovich's kid. Which yeah, I, I think I'd always missed it before. I was like, why is it? Why is he talking? Pay much attention to him showing. Yeah. He's like, look away, look away, look away, sort of thing is what he's saying at the end. Um, but my my got a high point just before all that kicking of kicks off is that the two women fighting. Inception style going into different memories of John Malkovich. I thought that's a low point. I felt it was like weird. Oh, it was, like, I didn't feel like it was needed. It, it in the looked film. absolutely stunning. Like back in the what nineteen ninety nine when this was filmed. Yeah. Like that was amazing. Oh, like, see, Inception see, and shit. Yeah, there's a film that's done it recently as well. It's another film. I don't know if it was Inception, but it was another film that they've gone through all the different. No, no, that, that was uh, everything and nothing all at once. Oh yeah, everything yeah. all at once. Yeah, but yeah, and the same goes for the Malkovich Malkovich world, where everyone is yeah. John Malkovich. That, was, that cl- was before Agent Smith. Yeah, <laughs> if you look closely enough, you can see some of them aren't John Malkovich, but for it to look as good as it does, like say on a budget of barely anything in 1999, yeah. it's very good. But yeah, it was well made the chase through his. Uh, basically his repressed memories of his failings, which is quite a funny way to do it. But um, yeah, I, I felt like it was, at that point, I didn't want that to be happening in the film. Well, since you're like, I like the fact that nobody in this film has a moral compass. Everybody is like a bad guy. Even like Malkovich's past is deemed quite dark. Even him, he's he's the closest to being a good guy. Yeah, but yeah but you're right. He's done some weird, weird stuff in excuse me, in the past. But yeah, everyone, even Dr. Lester, he's maybe the most evil of them all, I can't tell. If yeah, is, like, they're but... all trying to take over, like, Malkovich, and then they want to take over his kid. Yeah. Well, the future... That's nothing, like, is there only one door that just goes up from vessel to vessel to vessel? I believe so. This magic door, which he built into the building, or was there, which is why he built the building, and that's never explained. I don't know if yeah. we're supposed to know, but yeah. It's almost like the like that could be another reason why the story is made up, which was he found this weird portal. So he built a building that had the secret level that you can get into this this portal. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. A lot of answer que- a lot of answered and a lot of unanswered questions. So it might go on to low points. Well, I've got one more high point. Oh. It came out of nowhere. Is when Malkovich and uh, Maxine are talking to the rece- the guy, and he just goes, "Sorry about the current reception." Oh yeah, he just yeah. Does it twice. It came out of nowhere. The agent, this agent, isn't yeah. it? Is yeah. now. Yeah, it's just the guy was unnecessarily harsh. <laughs> just for making John making John Malkovich wait for ten seconds or whatever it would be, he was waiting for. Uh, right, point three, the low points. What was the worst bits and things? Where Andy, I'll let you lead off. You've been quiet. Puppets. Literally, I don't get puppeteering. It just it's creepy. It's weird. It should only be for horror films. That's where I sign my puppets. It's a talent. I'm impressed. Yeah. But yeah, it's weird. Uh, I, I don't get it. it yeah. like, I get it for this content that he's going to take over the body and stuff like that. But why? Like, what? who in the right mind gets into puppets? I know. Yeah, exactly. I guess like, it is people like him who have no control over anything. So therefore, I can uh, control this puppet. So they get into it. People that collect dolls, like, puppets, ventriloquists. Nope, I'm out. Oh, ventriloquists is another one. That's, I think that's creepier. Because you're actually making the thing talk to you that way. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, that's it's when that first came on. It's like, oh yeah, it's this film because I completely forgot about the weird puppets. Same, yeah, I forgot he was a puppeteer. I just thought he was like a, a weird guy who just went to get a new job. I forgot about the whole puppeteering. Uh, I don't really have any early low points. I don't uh, know my next one was Maxine in general. I just think she was a bit. I quite like again the the beginning of the film. I liked her. Like, she would be my work friend if I worked with her. I would I would love spending my breaks like, with her and bullshit with her and all that. But. Okay. Obviously, Schwartz the bad guy because he's literally just mayor and he's trying to bang her. Yeah. But then they're out in the pub, and then 
she's just like talking away then so uh, I can't remember what she says oh, do you think I'm attractive or something I goes oh, I'm married he goes oh, what are you a fag he's like no 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 I love you I love your body I want to fuck your body and she goes right fine I'll stay and then as soon as he mentions puppets, that's it. Uh, she's gone. gone. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't have time. You tell she's not a young, not a young, young thing. Yeah. Time to wait for time wasters. She needs to, to meet a man, <laughs> I guess. And she's like ruined Malkovich's life and turned to Schwartz's against each other after one night. So yeah, that's actually just... Schwartz's problem is her problem. I think. Yeah. I think so. But uh, on that note, though, my first low point is John Malkovich just randomly. I know he was kind of. Uh, Lottie was in her head, in his head, but him just going on that date, just this woman, random woman phones you up and is like, we should go on a date, and he just goes on it. Like, again, there was some influence from Lottie being in his head, but I was like, yeah, it's a bit of a jump. I, I mean, people just had heads and all that. That's a know. jump. But... Like, it's a jump for back then, but nowadays Tinder, you just go on an app and you go bang, <laughs> off you go. But he's John Malkovich, that's the point for me. He's he's uh, he's the guy from Colin Yeah, Air. but could you imagine if you were on, like, one of these dating apps or whatever, and then suddenly you had Margot Robbie just going swipe right or left or whatever the fuck it is. It's like... I bet she's on there, and I bet it's not her. <laughs> <laughs> Catfishing everywhere. Um... You just never know. You just never know. you got to take a chance. Could uh, be I'll, John Malkovich. Could be your Ryan Reynolds. It could be anybody. Could be your, could be your John Malkovich. <laughs> and a similar note to what Chris mentioned, kind of passing there. Lottie decides she's transgender for five minutes and then just carries on with. Uh, After being in the shower. For, yeah. No, was it the the book first, then the shower, or was it the vice versa? I can't remember now. Well, her first trip into Malkovich is the shower. Shower. Yeah. yeah. I've never known anybody to get turned on from a shower. Well, I guess you would feel what Malkovich feels. Yeah, so I feel what Markovich feels and do it every other day. Well, exactly, and that's the difference. She doesn't. <laughs> yeah, so imagine if you went into some some woman's body and you just suddenly look down and there's a pair of titties. I've got a pair of titties. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, or like she like she decides I'm I'm transgender. I want to be a yeah. man, and then later she's not. They're actually back, just married again, and everything's going on. And then she's by the end she's lesbian i guess so. that's what made no sense with this film like maxine i'm attracted to you inside malkovich i'm not attracted to you but now i'm attracted to you and i'm married to you with a kid it does not make sense yep, exactly. because two lesbians can't make a kid so she wanted the kid i reckon and that's what happened maybe maybe i don't think she was thinking that far ahead i think everyone just changes changes their opinion on a whim i think in this film at times apart from schwartz he just wants maxine i think yeah. i don't know why and to be a famous puppeteer i guess uh, and this pretty much all includes in my next little point, which is once JM Inc. is established, I start to sour on, on Maxine, but the whole love triangle or even quadrangle, if you want to include Malcolm, it doesn't interest me. I, I want more of the fun and the why. I wanted more of Dr. Lester and what he was up to than I did of is Lottie transgender? Is she in love with her? They're both in, like that whole thing. And then. Uh, Maxine just playing everybody, but not even in a kind of fun way, just in a kind of ambiguous kind of way. I, I, I wasn't interested in that for about the middle third of the film. Any other low points? Uh, uh, the hole. The hole. I just don't, I didn't get the hole. Like, why was it dirty? Like, why is there mud inside his brain? Like, when, well, like, when you just made it, like, it looked like a poop hole. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, wouldn't you, like, if that was the hole into Malkovich, wouldn't you, like, I don't know ball it out it obviously seems like they've been doing this for a while they're waiting for it just they just dug a tunnel and put a door in front of it like that's gonna smell like damp and shit like that like that office would have smelled like damp i'm telling you yeah i would have found it eventually just by the smell yeah so yeah i, I feel like if you're going to go into john malkovich's brain 
Put a bit of carpet down, a bit of tile in, something. Make it look a bit nicer. Make it feel nicer. Uh, so I'm all the way at the kind of... The, I'm at the eight months later stage now, so if you get oh, any I'm other... The very end when you go. Right, so eight months later, the TV profile on Malkovich has lived these last eight months being a puppeteer or an actor. And it's like, oh, the great actor, it's his 44th birthday and all that, the great actor turned puppeteer, interviewing people about him and all that. And then at the end, it starts questioning his relationship with his wife, yep. who he is still married to and lives with and is expecting a child. It's like, why would VH1 or was start be like, oh, yeah, but we're not sure about what has they become estranged and all that sort of stuff? That's like, pretty much what living. they always do. Is it? But they're still living together. Like, I, I, like she's pregnant. They may not have appeared in public for maybe two or three months. It's only been eight months. And it's like, oh, well, she's maybe heavily pregnant. Doesn't want to be out in public with them the whole time. It just seemed really weird. It felt very much this is the sort of thing that would happen in a movie. Oh, we'll write this in the script, and that'll, that'll raise the drama. But what's happening? Is that it didn't actually work in what would actually happen. My, my major low point, like question, is like Cameron Diaz seemed to got over getting locked in a cage for X amount of days for pretty pretty well. Quiet. Yeah. Like, I'd have been pissed. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be taking that gun to Schwartz, basically. Like, insane. Yeah. Go in the back of his head, bang. Phone like, in the police, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> it, seemed, it seemed to escalate a little bit quickly. Yeah, nobody's like, no police service. And maybe in this universe, there is no police service. I don't yeah. know. I thought about that when I saw him for the nominees. Best cop was like, there was not one police yeah. officer in this entire film. It was like, <laughs> all the madness that was going on. So my final low point was the chase through Malkovich's subconscious. So we can skip that. Any other low points? My my very last one is uh, the little girl at the end, Emily, just openly mocking me the fact that she could open her eyes onto water and I can't. Well, <laughs> yeah, I've never been impressed. I've never been able to do that either. It was impressive. Seems like a you problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very much so. Is that our time for low points? Yeah, I think so. On yeah. to the stats. Point number four on the podcast. This film has presented a few statistics for us. I counted only two shits, but the internet says there was nine, so I don't know how I managed to miss seven of them. But Maybe they counted cunt as... Like... Well, there was two of them, two C-bombs, quick fire by the same guy for some reason, uh, and then 16 F-bombs uh, throughout. I no this was a sweary film. Yeah, same. Uh, no explosions and no deaths. I was sure we were going to get a death in this, but no death because of basically why the, the hole exists. And our quotas, no cows, no goats, and no dead animals, despite the fact there are millions of animals in it. There's chimpanzees and dogs and birds and I think all sorts of other weird stuff in the flat. Uh, no pedos, although I think Schwartz mm. is walking a fine line with his puppet show, uh, I think. Huh. Um, the, no, the, de the devil was not present, and then no Nazis or KKKs confirmed. Tom Cruise trifecta, only running... Uh, and that was only Schwartz, and then Lottie, if you count her, gets the girl at the end, but she doesn't run, but certainly nobody rides a motorcycle, so the Tom yeah, Cruise trifecta. Through the, the mind. Oh, the, when the chase, yeah, so yeah, Lottie <laughs> comes closest with her running and gets the girl. Uh, this film is called Being John Malkovich. We see his reflection in the mirror at the 29th minute, is when we first see John Malkovich in Being John Malkovich. I wonder if Chris has done this. I counted how often they said Malkovich. Yes. Uh, I I'm not guaranteeing. Is the numbers going to match? It's definitely not going to match. The yeah. Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich was impossible because they were all going over top of each other. Yeah. I ended up with 108 Malkoviches. Oh, I got 109. There we go. So hey. There or thereabouts. But there. like, like, like that Malkovichception thing was impossible. I was like clicking constantly. Yeah, and I was like pause. 
and then put like ten, and then play one, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, and to pause. But uh, there was singing, and there was two people singing at the same time, it was all on top of each other. And did they say the thing? Did they say being John Malkovich? No, no, there's been John Malkovich, and there was to be John Malkovich. I want to be, and I something else. You can be John Malkovich, but never being John Malkovich. Any other stats from you, Chris? Uh, yeah, I counted eleven different people went inside Malkovich's head. Oh, okay, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah that was quite uh, a difficult old people because they kept flashing back to different people. Well, that's the thing, yeah, because it was a room full of them, so we're supposed to. That's another question I had, which I don't really have a point to mention now. So how they all just live in one body? Yeah, they all go to Malkovich's head, but it seems to yeah. be Doctor Lester. He gets to live the rest of his life in his house with the woman he wants to be. Looking like he does, basically. But the rest of them, what, what are they just like, just chilling in there? Just, I don't know, playing cards? Oh, yeah. That's or... another low point. Uh, Charlie Sheen aged a hell of a lot in six years, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, that was proven to be wrong, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he did not get that bad. <laughs> and another thing was, was Lottie was invited to go with them, and it seemed like she was happy to go with them. Yeah. And then it got to like the day that it was going to be happening and she's at Dr. Lester's house and they're watching on television that same John Malkovich documentary and then she's getting all angry about, oh, that Maxine oh, living with John Malkovich all happily like. And I'm like, do you not realise you're about to go into that John Malkovich's head and spend the rest of your life with that same wife? Like you are intentionally doing this to yourself and also of course she doesn't but not because of that because of other reasons and all that so again her i think lottie's all over the place really in this film her her head is not straight yeah. on anyway uh stats that's for stats i think i've covered yeah, it so. so on to point five on the podcast the 10 point podcast quiz and there's quiz master i'll right. throw it over to you this film is called films better than being john malkovich right okay so it's a nice easy quiz. You'll you'll work out this very very quickly. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Chris is going first. John Malkovich stars alongside Christian Bale in which 1987 war film? Ah, uh, I've watched so many John Malkovich films at the beginning now. I will not yeah. look at them. I will just I will try and. Is it do Empire well. of the Sun. It is Empire of the Sun. That's one point, Chris. Very good, Chris. Bruce. Hmm. John Malkovich joins which cocoon actor in Miles from Home? Oh, um, oh what was the guy's name? Wilford Brimley. No. Yes. Oh. Uh, the old guy with glasses. <laughs> I think that was Wilford Brimley. I think. <laughs> Brian Dennehy. Oh, oh, Brian. He was like boss alien, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I think. Chris, the movie of. Mice and Men sees Malkovich portray Lenny, small, opposed to the character George Milton, which is played by which previous podcast actor? Gary Sinise. He was also mentioned in the film. Yes. He also appeared in the film, but we'll come to that later. Was he? Oh, here we go. Sneak preview. Bruce, you should know this one. You've already mentioned it before. Which Netflix movie does John Malkovich star alongside Sandra Bullock? Uh, oh, Bird Box. It is Bird Box. Chris, it's going to be tight, this one. John Malkovich stars as Athos of, um, in which Leonardo DiCaprio movie? Uh, the Man in the Iron Mask. Yes, it is. Right, here we go. Let's see if Bruce can get this one. I'm glad you said that because I was trying to remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> 
What is the name of Malkovich's character in Con Air? Oh, uh, well, I know he's Cyrus the Virus. Is that enough? I was, yeah, I'll give you that. Ah, I know the full thing. Cyrus the Virus Grissom. Grissom. Yep, I'll give you a point as well. Right, okay, right. point. Oh, point. I was, I was only really wanting Cyrus the Virus, but yeah, both uh, got it. Chris remembers the surname. That's fine. Uh, where am I going, Chris? Chris. Right. Michelle Pfeiffer stars alongside John Malkovich in which 1988 drama? Um, Thank you. You need to get this. Bruce knows it. I do. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's getting thrown over. Dangerous liaisons. Oh, yes, I had dangerous liaisons in my head, but I thought yeah. <laughs> the poster I featured in this film. So technically, Michelle Pfeiffer was in this film as well for Chris's universe later <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, Bruce, which, alien, which aliens actor um, appeared in Jennifer Eight with Malkovich? Aliens actor, right? So, uh, right, I'm one of two. One of two. What's it called? Jennifer. Jennifer Eight. Let's go, Bill Paxton. It is not Bill Paxton, Chris. Michael Bean. Not. It was Lance Hendricks. Oh, that's the other one. That's your picture. Chris. Which 2006 action adventure movie does John star alongside Jeremy Irons? 2006. 2006. Scroll through his IMDb page. Ah, uh, have we got a clue? Red? Nope. Nope, Bruce. Oh, I don't think I've got an answer. No, I'll have to pass. It was Aragon. Oh, oh. oh yeah. It's got a Maybe I'm going now. Is it Bruce? Tie up again. Right. Teddy KGB is Malkovich's character in the movie Rounders. Which dogma actor appears with him in the movie? Matt Damon. It is Matt Damon. Right. 4-4. Oh, four, four. It's a tiebreaker. Oh. The first person to name the movie, so just shout it out when you know it. Okay. And I'll, I'll give you clues. Okay, so I'll, I'll right. name people. So this movie stars... John Malkovich. Red. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. What's the next one? Carl Urban, Morgan Freeman, Brian Cox, Richard Dreyfus, and Bruce Willis. I might not tell him minimum or something. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely amazing. Chris somehow pulled out of all the John Malkovich's films. Unbelievable. That was an action-packed quiz, that one. Very good, Andy. Okay, okay. On to point six on the 10-point podcast. Movies within movies. Easy for me this week. That Jewel Thief movie and that movie where he played that retard. There we go. <laughs> What's the Jewel Thief? I, I don't think there is one. Unless yeah. they think on air. Because obviously he plays a master criminal in that. Yeah. And the movie retard is of mice and men. Um, but yeah, <laughs> there was a, I didn't, I didn't go any further than I did that. I did read something funny. That, uh, I can't remember the guy who was in Sex and the City. They asked him to say retard as much as possible. Oh, yeah, that guy, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah he said it quite a lot in that scene. Uh, so, movies and movies throw over to Chris normally for the template podcast in universe. There's not many, actually. Um, Ned Bellamy, he plays a great man, Teeny. Uh, he mm-hmm. was in Django and Chains as Wilson, whoever that was. Wilson? See, he was the volleyball, wasn't he? It floated off. <laughs> well, I've seen a lot of Django pop ups. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people in it, I guess. So. And uh, Brad Pitt played himself. He was in Seven. I forgot to put his name. Is it Spooner? Doctor uh, uh, Mills. Spooner. Mills. Mills. That's what. Uh, do, do you think the Brad Pitt 
do you think Catherine Keener filmed that without telling Brad Pitt she was going to do it? Or do you think they said to Brad, can you just stand there? We're doing a bit for one of our films. His reaction was really weird, yeah. as if he didn't know what was going on. So I, 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 was, could, could, I, I could find out, trivia-wise, if, um, if it actually was a surprise or not. But it was, it was quite weirdly done. Uh, that's about as far as I got. There was a lot. So yeah, if you want to count in the documentary where they're doing the history of John Malkovich, talks about his beginnings uh, at a theatre company in Chicago. That literally zooms in on him and Gary Sinise. Then he mentions Gary Sinise. Even knows Gary Sinise. So yeah, you could see him. I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer, the show, Dangerous Liaisons poster. We did her in, in Batman Returns, of course. So you can count them if you if you're being pernickety. Have you recast us into the film, Chris? I almost forgot to do it, but I did. Uh, I put myself myself as uh, Swartz because. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm quite good with my hands, I think. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Andy is Malkovich because I'd love to spend 50 minutes inside that head. I'd, 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 right. <laughs> and, uh, I put Bruce as Dr. Lester because we have the same speech impediment. I do, yeah. Terrible. I don't know how you guys have coped with all, the, all these weeks on I the podcast. I what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that's exactly how I did it as well, Chris. So that, that must be the right answer if we were to be in the film. Andy, have you recast anybody in the film? Right. So I feel like John Malkovich is a great actor. However, I feel like going into his head was a bit underwhelming until it was like him going into his head. <laughs> However, the actor I think round about this time would have been perfect going into his, their head. Jim Carrey. Right. Being yeah. Jim Carrey. What a film that would have been. I thought you were going to do it from now and put Ryan Reynolds. No, it's like... <laughs> That man just be, just be full of gin and stuff like that and wrecks. I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> <laughs> but, Maybe not. But no, come on. Imagine yeah. Jim Carrey's head, just how That'd it would be. be. Chaos. Yeah, exactly. It just it would be, he'd kind of he'd gone past his madness. He was now in his proper actor Truman Show phase, wasn't he? So it would be yeah. quite mad, but yeah. Maybe that's why he is mental. Maybe he's got like 15 people in there trying to take control of him. <laughs> Some heads not Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, right, hold on. I've gone through. I've got my my usual ones. Uh, I went dead. Dead man walking. Doctor Lester. I thought he was going to die, uh, but yeah, he literally is a dead man walking. He has not died because he uh, keeps going into someone else's head over and over again. Could this film have come out in 1995? Absolutely, this film could have yeah. come out in 1995. I was thinking Cameron Diaz had only just been in The Mask, so she might not have been in this. But then you look at what film she was in. It wasn't always massive blockbusters. I thought she could easily have been in this film as well. So I think this is nailed on. Could easily be the same cast. Obviously, it only came out four years later. So yeah, this is a 95 movie. Who is in the wrong movie? This was tough because Malkovich is needed. Like he's the one that's different. But the film's about being him. So basically, it, I do feel like John Cusack, Cameron Diaz, and Catherine Keener are all stars in different versions of this film. They all play. They don't. There's not much chemistry. But they're always at odds with each other. So I feel like there's three different versions of the film. So each of them is in the wrong version of the other one's movies is the best way I can do it. No one stands out as being the wrong person in the movie. And then what happens next? It wasn't until the film had finished I actually started thinking about this. So Lottie now has to raise her child knowing that in a maximum of 44 years, maximum of 44 years, a bunch of pensioners are going to take over her little girl's <laughs> mind and she'll then start Did to live. Did that, though? That it's her, like the little, it's going to be um, Emily. Well, but well, this way, she knows what the plan is. He showed her the drawing of we're going to yeah. jump into Malkovich's head. If not, it's the, the next spawn. And Catherine Keener, uh, Maxine, she'll say, oh, yeah, well, she, she knows 
it was you inside Malkovich's body. That's why we're together, because somehow that makes the girl <laughs> Lottie's daughter as well. So yeah, so she's sitting there knowing that's my daughter, and eventually a whole bunch of pensioners are going to be living inside her. Which yeah, that I don't, that, I don't know. They destroy the door or something. That's a horror movie. Ah, maybe that's what they do. That's a sequel then. Is them trying to tear down the seven and a half floor of the building. On to point seven then. Point seven: the tropes that need to die. What what gimmick does this film use that we want to get rid of, Chris? I struggled big time with this, but I did come to one. Um, if I can't have you, nobody can. Ah. Right. Lottie goes nuts and tries to kill Maxine, um, who is pregnant at the time, I might add. So yeah. she went full on psycho. And all just create, all just so uh, Craig couldn't um, be happy. Yeah. And like, it happens in loads of films, people just go nuts and just go like, right, if I can't be with you, then nobody can. I think Titanic did it with, um, what the fuck's he called? When Rose chose Jack over. Um, over Billy Zane. That's the yeah. one, yeah. Um, he goes nuts and grabs his gun and goes like, well, nobody's going to have you then. Starts yeah. shooting the bit up. Shoot, so, shoot yourself. Have the courtesy to shoot yourself in that situation. <laughs> I broke up, like, if me and Nicola broke up, I'm not going to go on a fucking rampage and say, well, nobody's going to have you then. Shoot her. Definitely. Well, if that happens now, we've got this on recording. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so my trope is kind of, again, I'm going to go with Schwartz again. Uh, they need to get rid of guy gives up on his wife as soon as he meets a single other woman. Like he's so unhappy. The first woman that he speaks to, he's like, right, well, it's my marriage done. I'm, I'm single-mindedly good. Like it always happens as they they meet some, one other person and that's it. Give up on their marriage. What about you, Andy? Any tropes? Hidden passageways. There's too many of them in films these days. <laughs> There's always that one. It gets, gets you always. Yeah. And especially it's, it's always like I'm okay with the odd hidden passageway. How has nobody noticed that for like 47 years? Like, surely somebody's done a renovation job. Somebody's moved a filing cabinet once in a while. Oh, there's a door. Oh, look, it looks like a big bum hole. Like, <laughs> surely somebody's noticed that. And it never really explained why they wanted short. Because the, the advert was very specific, which was like short statured, obviously, because of the ceiling. And then good with their fingers or something like that. It's like, was that purely for filing? And then... Has somebody already been working in that room for ages, or why now? It seemed like it was a significant time to hire Schwartz to work there, but it seemed to be a bit kind of yeah. weird. Like someone would clearly clean that place did and they find it. Have like a, yeah. a business there. What did yeah, they do? Just it seemed to be filing things up. Like when he first arrived, the secretary offers him, "Hi there, we're here to. Well, how can I sort your filing needs today?" So this needs to be like a filing company, which I think it's maybe a joke that they're just the most useless company, irrelevant company possible. Oh yeah, but, I forgot to mention how easy the job interview was, which file these ones. Yeah, <laughs> that character is not yeah. a litter. Ah, sharp one you are. <laughs> that was even more of Doctor Lester. He was this guy. Right, on to point eight nominations for the Ten Point Podcast Awards. Tradition is now Chris goes first and we debate his nominations oh, with him. I've got some and not a lot. Yeah, um, so I've gone for best actor, Malkovich. I think so. It has to be Malkovich. Everybody's pretty good, but Malkovich is special in this, I think. Um, my best supporter is Orson Bean. Yes. He steals every scene that he's in. <laughs> Absolutely what I've got written down as well. Yeah. Um, my biggest bail end is Maxine. Oh, okay. Because I went Schwartz with this one. I think yeah. it's... I kind of go with Schwartz as well. Everybody against each other, and then uh, Schwartz is unlikable. Schwartz, yeah, he's kind of the villain, really, when you think about it. Like she's manipulative, but she gets the happy ending, really. And Schwartz... he locks somebody in a cage. 
Yeah, exactly. And he tried to like, point a gun at everybody, and he took over John Lottie. What did Lottie then? She tried to shoot a, f- a pregnant woman. And now they're living together. Yeah, yeah, I know, exactly. Again, everyone's like, always... Imagine that. Oh, tell us how you met, hey, Mummy. Oh, I tried to shoot you while you were inside Mummy's tummy. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Yeah. <laughs> what an absolute boot. Um, there's not a lot here, blah, blah, blah. But Danny John Jules cameo, uh, Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen, absolutely no recollection of him being this. Yeah. Ah. I completely um, forgot as well. Yeah. And then old Charlie Sheen. Oh, no <laughs> way. <laughs> Very weird looking. Uh, I feel like there's a Michael Pena award, but I don't know for who. I don't have a nominee for Michael Pena. Okay. Unless it's the the video, the orientation video. <laughs> telling the <laughs> tale of violence on some of the half floor. That may be that. Okay, maybe. Uh, my best father figure is the dad that punched Swartz for the, the smart <laughs> at the start. Yeah, good one. Yeah, I ain't got that one. Yeah. Um, father figure. Uh, my best line uh, there is truth and there are lies and art always tells the truth even when it's lying <laughs> a good paradoxical yeah. best line um, my best animal Elijah the Chimp Elijah the Chimp wins easily uh, my worst hair is all the comb overs Mark of Fall and it just grows back I went for Cusack or Diaz for worst hair like yeah Cameron Diaz so is bad. supposed to look ugly and have mad hair, but Cusack just, uh, just had awful hair. I don't know which one it is, but I think one of them. Uh, this is a personal one. Uh, most annoying kid is Emily because she can open her eyes underwater. And I, can... <laughs> <laughs> I just added that one in there. I don't actually have one. Is that it? That's me. Uh, ones you haven't touched on. Best character name, uh, Malkovich, just because I had fun at <laughs> oh, That should be the most obvious name. And again, most obvious name, yeah, yeah. for the film. Uh, best badass is the category we've got. I put Catherine Keener in because I very much enjoyed her energy earlier on. She was a bit of a badass. Uh, best inanimate object I've nominated is puppets. But I think Andy's very done on puppets. But we'll... nope. They have a life of their own. <laughs> yeah, possessed puppets. Uh, well, not much. Yeah, I think I've pretty much got everything else. Most obvious name, Lester Corp. I went for that. I knew there was something I did for because that was the name of his company. And I think that is it. That's me for nominations as well. Andy, have you got any other to tidy up? Best sets, seven and a half floor. Yeah, okay. I even like, looked at that. Oh. Yeah, that was a pretty good set. Well, Just I, I, making I it like Markovich's head for that. But... No, nah, I well, think seven and a half floor wins. It's the set, it's... but then, then the CGI, I would say best CGI is Malkovich's. Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, two two solid nominees there. Yeah, just lowering everything by... I don't know how much... How, how high is a normal roof? Seven foot? Is that how a, a, a roof normally oh, is? Uh, it's like 2.4 metres, isn't it? That's like the size of a plywood. I don't know what that is in feet. It's the size of plywood. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, to go five feet, it's a good size because it looks normal until you see like a human being in it and then it's like it's just awkward enough. Little doors and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, very much. Def- definitely best sets. On to point nine then. Point nine is the moral of the story. What lesson were we supposed to learn from being John Malkovich? Uh, anyone want to start? Don't um, creep on people. <laughs> don't creep on people. Definitely. We'll take that. Uh, I'll go for mine then. I've got two. One is consciousness is a terrible curse. Ah, uh, that's what I've got. There you go. Well, my other one is it's better to be a monkey. <laughs> that was a bit something we're supposed to learn at the beginning. Uh, that's the morals of the story. On to point ten, the ten point rating where we rate the movie out of ten. I don't have a little explanation about what I thought I'd written, which I don't have written down. I'll go first because I picked it. Um, it is what I remember. I've forgotten bits about it, but it's weirder than it is funny, and it's weirder than it is like dramatically good sort of thing. But I think the the best bits and the memorable bits 
like I've stayed the, the tail of time, the test of time here. The bits that it's good at are really, really good. So I was swithering on whether it was going to be, it's, it's, it's above average. So I thought a six or a seven, but thinking on all the best bits and all Dr. Lester, I'm going to give it a seven because I, I enjoyed my, I found myself laughing out loud a lot at it. It does tail off in the middle and everybody's a wee bit evil, but I'll go for a seven for me. I've got Andy going next. I remember this being an absolute banger, like laugh out loud hoot. <laughs> it is not that when you watch it now. <laughs> This is one of these films I should never rewatch because yeah. there's I, I'm not, I don't think I'll ever say this ever ever again. I would rather watch the room again ah. than only get someone. Oh, <laughs> brutal! That's like, the same as the room. You give the room a one. <laughs> I, like, I would like literally like the room was funny. The acting was bad. I, I laugh more at the room than this film. Come but on, I think as 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 a younger person watching this film, it's funny, but fuck me, it was a, it was a hard graft in this one. It's not an easy watch, I'll say that. Uh, Chris, what's your score? Uh, I'm giving it a six because like the humor is dark enough for me, and I, I like it. Uh, like you've already mentioned, there was a, a slow section to it, uh, and the story confused me a little bit. But mm. it annoys me how quickly the the sport the swatches. Like turning each other. Yeah. Like, as soon as you see Maxine, is like, oh, that's it. I don't love you anymore. Thank you to go back and watch the room, Chris. You're gonna love that film. Never again. Oh, wait till we get to episode one thousand to watch the room again. <laughs> watching him hump a red dress again. Like that. There's more action in this film. No, <laughs> yeah, probably not. Actually, no. Uh, officially a five out of ten for being John Malkovich. Probably not far off the mark. A five out of ten. It does. Some things well, some things not so well. Uh, this was part of my selections this season. I have said I'm not doing a theme. I think I've only done two each. Is that all we've done? Yeah. Yeah. So I've yeah, only done so... this and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> are the two films I've picked. Is there any link between them two that you would People like? going in holes. Ah, yes. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> People in holes. I'm not sure if that trend will continue or not, but we'll find out when it comes back round to me again. It was news to him. Next time it's Andy. Andy has hopefully now found a pick because I've prior to the podcast, he did not have one. <laughs> carries on my theme, which pretty much every film so far has hot my theme, so uh, this definitely cements my theme a bit more as well. Uh, the last time I watched this film, I was about three miles away from Area 51 uh, in Rachel, Nevada, watching it in uh, VHS back in uh, four years ago. Way but back when. The, but yeah, it was four years ago, that was all this little um, pub had, and you go in, get a video from the library and you went and put it in the video player and it was all liney and shit and it's nostalgia kicked in there so um it's not actually that old it's only 2001 film so it's okay. but it's a bunch of actors we've not really covered before like, fits my theme here? perfectly yeah i know it, yeah it's the sci-fi comedy evolution, evolution. Oh, i just watched that the other night it was on TV. <laughs> <laughs> well there you go chris doesn't have to do it Evolution. I think I've, I've seen it before. I think I might go to the cinema to see this I one. I thought you were myself. going for Independence Day when you were talking about Area I was sure it was going to be Paul when he mentioned it. <laughs> sure. All of those films I actually did watch at Area 51 and over throughout the night as well while drinking with Sean, but no, Evolution was <laughs> as well. Evolution, there you are. Evolution, I don't know. It might be able to get somewhere quite easily. It might be streaming somewhere. There we are. Back to our usual routine and rhythm, we hope. So you all have seven days. Find Evolution. David Jacovny, etc. I think that's who's in it, isn't it? David right, Jacovny. Sean William Scott. So seek out evolution, and we'll see you next time on the Ten Point Podcast. Oh.